0: So the gaps that I experienced were really related to how they saw Isamu, my late husband, as a person versus a diagnosis. In the medical system, they're treating the diagnosis. They're not actually looking at the whole person. So they're saying, here's the diagnosis. Here's the protocol for that diagnosis. We are a lot more than our diagnoses. Doctors get about 17 hours of medical training in their tens of thousands of hours. And so we have to recognize that when we go to them and say, hey, will changing my diet help with X, Y, Z? And they say no, that they don't actually know. It's out of their scope of practice, just like their job is out of my scope of practice. So I like to be really clear that I'm not trying to sit in their shoes, but I'd appreciate it if they recognize that there are other shoes to (laughs) fill and there are gaps for us to fill for people.
1: Hi, I'm Kelly Namiro. Welcome to the Balancing Chaos Podcast a lifestyle podcast where we'll talk about wellness, motherhood, and some really exciting things in between. My goal is to help you develop a lifestyle that promotes health, wholeness, and success. Through my conversations with our experts and guests, I hope to inspire you to live a beautiful, full, and joyful life as you navigate Balancing the Chaos. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Balancing Chaos podcast. I'm so happy to have you with us this week. We are diving deep into the realms of health and wellness today, talking about precision functional medicine, which I think is so important. I think it's probably one of the biggest things um, when it comes to being able to care for ourselves in a meaningful way. Today, we have a phenomenal guest who has not only navigated personal health challenges, but also pioneered the movement Part of the movement of functional medicine and she has pioneered the movement for sure of functional nutrition she is the founder of the functional nutrition alliance an educator and the host of the 15-minute matrix podcast please join me in welcoming andrea nakayama thank you Kay. hi I how are you to be with you likewise i'm super happy to have you on the show i think that this is a topic where we can go like so many different angles with because One, the whole functional piece, I think is really important because so many people think that like, it's this one size fits all approach and everything that's going to work for so and so is going to work for me. And the nutrition piece I think is so key because people don't really recognize that like when we do some of those diets, we're really missing out on a lot of the nutrients that we really need. Um, So I'm really excited to have you on. I want to start by just talking about your story because when I was doing research on you, like one of the first thing that comes up on your website is this article about how brain tumor changed your life. Um, and I'm going to let you tell the story, but it was not your brain tumor. It was your husband. Um, and so I want to hear about that and how that kind of drove you into where you're at today.
0: Yeah, thank you for that great introduction and all those important points that you touched on. We'll get into all of them, I'm sure. Um, If we go back to my story and what led me into this work, it was when my late husband, Isamu, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, a very aggressive brain tumor called a glioblastoma multiforme. He was diagnosed when I was seven weeks pregnant with our first and only child. This is back in April of 2000, so a lot of time has passed. That has allowed me to be able to talk about this story in the ways I'm able to talk about it now and recognize in retrospect all that I was learning during that time. I think of that time as sort of my boot camp in nutrition, because I was already really interested in food and in my own body. I think there were the beginnings of my own autoimmunity going on, but I didn't know what it was. So I was recognizing that my body responded differently to uh, different impetus and different in things that I would put in it. Mm. And then here I am, seven weeks pregnant, he's diagnosed kind of out of the blue, there wasn't a lot of signs leading up to that. And that thrust us into a whole different area of the medical system. And so all of a sudden, here we are in our early 30s, part of a system that we had never really been inside of, right? We've relied on it for a thing or two, but all of a sudden you are in it. And that really woke me up to a lot of the benefits of that system, but a lot of the gaps of the system. And it was those gaps that led me forward in what I started to do during that time. And then continuing on after his passing two and a half years later, what I do now.
1: Amazing. I think that that's, and I think that that's how I've said this so many times on the podcast before, but I think that that's really how the the best businesses and entrepreneurs are created out of a mess, right? Like that we clean up and then we want to be in a place of service to other people who we know are going through something similar or the same thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So you talked about the gaps, right? And I think that that's something that's really, really huge in the medical system and i think especially when it comes to nutrition right um i think that for a really long time for me when i was going through all of my hormonal imbalances and i was in a place of restrictive eating doctors just kept telling me eat less exercise more so it fueled the restrictive eating it made the hormonal imbalances worse and that went on for the better part of a decade when i talked to I'm like, come from my husband's, I don't come from, but my husband comes from a family of doctors and both of them are fertility specialists, like gynecologists, like, so women's reproductive health. And they're very transparent about the fact that like,
2: that is not something
1: you're trained in is eating well. And that plays such a role in women's potential for reproduction. And so I would love to hear about the gaps that you feel like you saw during that time. Um, And if you feel like those things have gotten worse, those things have gotten better in the last 24 years.
0: Yes, so interesting. And again, so many things I want to say in response to what you're talking about. And for me, that period was what I call post-traumatic growth. The time after my husband died and you were saying like so much of the benefits that come from those of us who are able to bring healing potential forward comes from the chaos, which makes sense in what you're talking about. So the gaps that I experienced were really related to how they saw Isamu, my late husband, as a person versus a diagnosis. Mm. So in the medical system, they're treating the diagnosis. They're not actually looking at the whole person. So they're saying, here's the diagnosis, here's the protocol for that diagnosis. We are a lot more than our diagnoses. So I think that um, that was one of the biggest gaps, but there's a lot of different gaps that I saw that were part of the entire system. But to your point, Doctors get about 17 hours of medical training in their tens of thousands of hours. And so we have to recognize that when we go to them and say, hey, will changing my diet help with X, Y, Z? And they say no, that they don't actually know it's out of their scope of practice, just like their job is out of my scope of practice. So I like to be really clear that I'm not trying to sit in their shoes, but I'd appreciate it if they recognize that there are other shoes to (laughs) fill and there are gaps for us to fill for people. So there's a huge gap in the understanding of nutrition when it comes to functional nutrition, I like to think of nutrition as growth, metabolism, and repair. Mm -hmm. So I like to think beyond the food that we're eating, because I know there's a lot of anti-diet culture today, which appropriately we shouldn't be in the diet realm or the dieting realm, but understanding that food can actually be medicine. I don't mean in replacement of medicine, but that it actually feeds our cells. It supports our growth, metabolism, and repair, and that that might look different for Mm eating each and every one of us for a variety of reasons. So for me, and there's a lot of ways I can talk about what functional medicine and functional nutrition are, but the difference between nutrition and functional nutrition is that I'm looking at how those foods work inside of your body and I'm using my understanding of your physiology and your pain points to help me understand what those needs are, as opposed to thinking, oh, coffee, good or bad, broccoli, good or bad, right. collagen, like people want to ask me, what should I do? Should I eat eggs? Or should I eat? And it's like, um, it depends. Yeah. Who are you? What's going on? So those gaps, I think, are rampant. And unfortunately, I'm seeing more gaps emerging in the functional medicine face. So that's yeah. another thing we can look at in terms of like how we're still getting into the protocol thinking.
1: Okay. So I, I feel like I could literally talk to you all day already because <laughs> I have so many questions <laughs> popping up into my head. Um, and I want to go into kind of what some of that looks like for specific groups like for example you mentioned autoimmunity you met like we're talking about like people you know we've, we can talk about people with gut issues whatever it is and see like okay what are like little differences that we might see there but before we do one of the things that you mentioned that I think is really important to touch on is this whole like anti-diet culture thing right because there is a very big difference in Eating for prevention, eating for vitality, eating for our health, eating for our hormones. And then what a lot of people are promoting out there, which is like one thing that I've seen recently, is like somebody crumbling up Oreos into their yogurt in the morning because that is what intuitive eating. And I'm like, I I cannot accept (laughs) that as like, yes, can we all indulge once in a while in our grandma's Christmas cookies or if we want to go out and have a burger at a barbecue? Sure. But like, if crumbling Oreos on our yogurt every morning. Like that's not intuitive eating. That's not like, that's just anti-health. And so we have to recognize that there's a difference and we have to be able to recognize that putting foods that fuel our system, like you said, feed ourselves, um, you know, repair metabolism, all of these things, like that's really important if we want to feel good in our body. So can you elaborate on that? A little bit.
0: Yeah, that's like a hornet's nest, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's so much we can be looking at there. And I think we have gotten really confused and really righteous in all ways, on all spectrums, about how we're talking about this. So there's a time and a place for everything. And I've certainly worked with people who've had body dysphoria for a number of reasons or are experiencing um, behaviors around food that uh, maybe aren't the most supportive, where we can't make the kind of dietary changes that you and I might think of as ideal that situation because there's a complex of issues that are psychological and physiological to me, they go hand in hand. So there's a time and a place for everything. And there might be a time and a place where somebody has to go screw the dieting or the right and wrong or the healthy and not healthy or the food is medicine. Excuse my language if that's not (laughs) accepted, but like, I just need to eat what I need to eat. And I, it's not, it doesn't make sense to me in the way that I want to feed and fuel my body. Mm-hmm. But I understand that there may be a time and a place for that. And that person isn't ready for the kind of work that I'm doing. That so doing. I can recognize that there may be a need to unpack our previous relationships with mm-hmm. restriction.
1: Right. Before you get to a place where you're comfortable doing the work that you do, which is like, what is going on in your side of your body and what does your body need and what is your body asking for and telling you? And I get that because again, like as somebody who came from a restrictive background and like needed to open up my, you know, eyes to like not feeling guilt every time I ate a carbohydrate, like, yes, there has to be practice in. Yes allowing those foods back into your diet again um but i do think after a period of time like you said like you can come like this is what we come to and this is like the what the balanced approach is so
0: Exactly. Exactly. And then moving forward and recognizing that we're each going to have what is our path, what is our poison ivy, and what's our bike lane? And, you know, I live in Portland, Oregon, so we might think of it as the shoulder of the road, but like, I don't want to make it so tight and narrow for people for a number of reasons. A, that feels like a diet. B, as you mentioned, that's so restrictive that it could lead to other nutrient deficiencies mm. that lead to other signs and symptoms. And we don't realize we're doing the body more harm than good when we get too narrow and too restricted, physiologically and psychologically. And C, we need a little bit of room to play, but everybody's play is going to look different. I would need an Oreo. Like that's not in my, that's in my poison right. ivy for a number of reasons. But for somebody else, that might be in their bike lane. And each of us understanding that gives us the way forward where we're really embracing self-health care. We're saying like, this is my empowerment to take care of myself and I'm living my life. I'm not living this hyper-restricted, I can't go out. And there might be times if we're doing a healing protocol or if we have a specific goal or if we're working with something more acute where we're making a decision to be more restricted for a specific reason. It's an acute situation. And so those are the things that I think get confused in all our conversations about food, about nutrition, that now there's just so much noise about.
1: It's really hard. Nutrition is like coming from somebody who also works in this space. Like it is such a hard like nut to crack with people totally. because there is so much emotional um baggage that people carry with food there is so much uh not only like nostalgia and like memories and things like that but then also like the other side of you know the food fears and the things that yes. come along with it um like every single thing makes me bloated every like and then it becomes like this very hard thing to unravel so I have to say acknowledge you and like nice. <laughs> you're in everything that you're doing, because it's really incredible. Um, One other thing that I want to say on this topic is that like, if somebody is working on one of those more like restrictive, I'm putting that in air quotes, protocols for a specific period of time, like a gut healing protocol or something like that, you can actually look at it in the form of like, self. So, that's an act of self-love because you're wanting to heal versus yeah. looking at it from the place of like, this is super rigid. This is super restrictive. It's not forever. You're doing it to to heal your body. And so I think that that's really important to have that perspective. Um, But what I was gonna say is somebody comes to work with you, they have an autoimmune condition, they have a hormonal imbalance, they have a gut issue, whatever it is. Where do they start? Is it like, we get our lab work done? What are we doing?
0: Yeah, so um, first thing I wanna state is that I teach, clinician. I mostly teach clinicians. So at the Functional Nutrition Alliance, I train thousands of clinicians from around the globe, from all different backgrounds in the methodologies that we're talking about. And I do have a team that works virtually with clients and every so often I will take on a client and there's one I might bring up in our conversation to show how complicated this relationship around food um, can be. So I'm not working with uh, patients all the time, but I have have decades of having worked with patients. So when I'm working with anybody, we go through a very deep sy- system systematic approach of assessment. So we're not necessarily starting with labs unless we have to. So the way I use labs, and I love labs, and I know you do, the way I use labs is when I need more information And only at that point, am I getting labs and they tend to be regular old serum labs to begin with because I wanna see the gross picture Mm. and make adjustments there before I go into any specialty labs because the gross terrain is going to impact the magic sprinkles that we're gonna get from a lot of that specialty testing. So let me just put that in context a little bit. I like to think in systems because health is complex. And if we take one system approach and stop looking through like a model, um, Mm -hmm. we lose the opportunity to see more globally. So one system I use is called three roots, many branches. If we have any chronic health condition, There are always three roots that are activated, the same three roots, and we can identify the signs, the symptoms, or the diagnoses, all that you mentioned and more, as branches. So if we think about that as a tree, We can imagine this glorious tree and it's starting to show some deficiencies in the leaves, in the branches. We have to think, do I wanna pick off the leaves? Do I wanna saw off the branches? No, that's not gonna get us to resolution. It makes sense that I need to go deeper to the trunk. I need to go deeper to the roots. And then I actually need to go to where those roots live which is in the soil. So from my perspective, those three roots are always the genes, digestion, and inflammation, whether it's hormones, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, PANS, pandas, other neurodegenerative conditions, hormone challenges, perimenopause, menopause, PCOS, endometriosis, branch, 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 branch. Right. many branches. We can have many branches, but I still need to go back to the genes, digestion, and inflammation. Those are my three roots and I, I'm putting them down like a Venn on my you know, hands here, like it's a little Venn diagram. But each of those roots lives in soil. And I think of that soil for each of those roots as a, a circle of influence. And that circle of influence for each of those is where I'm focusing my attention. So the circle of influence for the genes is what we call the epigenome the factors that affect our genes, instead of hyper-focusing on what genes, and those are our food, our movement, our environment, and our mindset. And each of those for me has a circle of influence. So I'm not saying like food, go work on your food. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about quality, quantity, diversity, and timing, And those conversations might be broken down at that element for me to be able to have a start of a dialogue with somebody about their food. In fact, there's people for whom I cannot start with food because of their relationship with food, their relationship with their body, their relationship with previous eating patterns. So we may not even focus about taking anything out. We may Mm -hmm. focus on, let's talk about fat, fiber, protein. Let's talk about eating the rainbow. Let's bring in instead of removing. And you know what? You don't even want to talk about that. Let's talk about a different factor and those are just the factors that influence the root of the genes right. but i also have those factors that influence digestion and influence influence inflammation and it gives us areas to focus on and then there's other systems that i can bring into play that help me think through the case mm-hmm. instead of putting a protocol on a sign symptom or diagnosis which would lead me back to the gap that i talked about with my husband where he was treated like his diagnosis and not like the person who had the diagnosis
1: right right i think that that's really incredible i i mean i mean if you you know you were saying that you know that i love labs like i think that looking at the root cause of of anything that's how we're gonna get to a, a more helpful answer. So the fact that you describe it like that, I think is really, really cool. And that's why you have so many success stories and how this has worked for people because you're looking at the roots. So my question then becomes like, if if you know one of your coaches or somebody who you're training is seeing somebody, is it like, we if we are starting with the food piece and we're starting to add things In right is it a very like holistic approach because what you mentioned with like the fat fiber protein that's really like when it comes to when I think about inflammation or like what my specialty is is hormones um that's really what I see work across the board
0: thousand percent
1: for so many people um rather than, and and in doing that, you're crowding out a lot of the processed carbs, a lot of the, you know, things that are not, the sugar, the things that are not serving you. So is that kind of the main component that we come at this with that, again, it's never gonna be a one size fits all. I wanna preface that, but um, I wanna say like the, the foundational approach for most people yeah
0: i mean as you said it's never one size fits all so my answer to almost everything like my students will joke if i say what's my answer they'll say it depends right yeah. so like it really does depend but just like you said when it comes to hormones i think of that as a pyramid and we often want to address our sex hormones and i start with blood sugar balance yeah Looking at blood sugar, insulin, cortisol, thyroid, sex hormones. So I don't start with the sex hormones. I'm starting with the blood sugar, like you are talking about with that fat fiber protein is the way I'm starting that. So what I'm mixing in here is my physiological understanding, but I might be saying, let's start with fat fiber protein, fat fiber protein, every meal. Oh, you don't know which fats. Here's how we're going to look at which fats. Here's how we're going to look at which fibers. Here's how we're going to look at which proteins. How does it feel? how's your energy does anything change with your elimination and there's other ways i'm getting them to think into what's going on so um, another system i think through is what i call the three tiers to nutrition mastery tier one is the are the non-negotiables and the non-negotiable trifecta is sleep poop and blood sugar balance and we can't just tell people hey sleep (laughs) I have to do, right, some more deep investigation, like what's happening with your sleep? How many hours are you getting? Do you wake up in the night to go to the bathroom or for any other reason, how do you go back to sleep? So I I like to think about what I'm talking about as the simplicity on Hmm. the other side of complexity, because I understand the complexity of the physiology of the biochemistry. And yet what we need to do to invite resolution is simpler than we think right so we're overcomplicating it and driving for information outside of ourselves i can't tell you the number of people i see who are struggling with something like chronic fatigue and i look at their labs and i can see they're dehydrated by their right. red blood cell markers and i ask are you drinking enough water? And they're like, actually, I struggle with that. Here's why I'm on my feet all day. And I'm like, okay, this is how hydration impacts your energy and your fatigue. And it has to do with your blood and your red blood cells. And so I understand that complexity, but my, my resolution in that moment is still, we have to address hydration. We can't, bypass that for some fancy keto intermittent fast. Like people are doing these
1: overcomplicating
0: things and lots of supplements. And I'm like, sleep, poop, blood sugar balance, blood sugar balance leads us back to fat fiber protein.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that that's like, just, I have a, a colon hydrotherapist that I go to and like she says the same thing uh sleep poop blood sugar balance and and breath like that's those are her like four like pillars of health and it's just so funny like when you break it down and you come back to it's like it does not have to be so complicated but i think that what and i'm not saying diet culture in the sense that like of like restrictive eating but i'm like it's a whole multi-billion dollar industry out there that's trying to sell us things that we don't need, and if we would just come back and start listening to our bodies a little bit more, all of this would be so much easier. So because I know that we have a lot of, most of my listeners are women, but women and men out there who uh, are dealing with digestive issues, I want to hear really quickly before we move forward about, as you mentioned, those three roots, right what what are the influences of the things that influence the digestion piece yeah I like and and inflammation why not yeah yeah
0: yeah so for digestion to me we can't talk about nutrition without talking about digestion like There's no point in having a conversation. And that's another gap that we're experiencing. A lot of people are talking about nutrition and not saying, but this is where the food meets, your physiology, your body, your cells. So the influences for digestion are the mechanical, the chemical, the structural, and the microbial. And I know it's very sexy to wanna jump to the microbial, but
1: sometimes we need reminders to chew. Because when yes. we
2: chew,
1: <laughs> it's right? like, every there's so many people out there that are so bloated. And it's like, if you would just put your phone down and turn the TV off and just sit and chew your food. Your bloating would go away. Like literally.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, again, it's the simplicity <gasps> on the other side of complexity because when we chew our food, we activate the digestive secretions that help us break down chemically the foods we're putting in our body so that we can better bring them into our bloodstream and to our cells. And so Having people remember to chew, I don't think there's like a certain number we have to do. It's just like, are you turning off your phone? Take one meal a day and really put some time and energy into savoring, smelling, enjoying, not during a meeting. I'm totally I do this all the time. I eat in a meeting, you know, like, so when are we taking that time to just enjoy and savor that mechanical digestion also supports, like I said, the chemical secretions that we need to break down our food. Those are depleted as we ate, particularly our stomach acid. And so how we break down our foods, our proteins that we need for growth, metabolism and repair. Is that why people
1: feel like they get heart? or or like at least doctors are telling you you're getting heartburn because you're getting older.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. So hypochlorhydria, low stomach acid is what happens naturally as we age. And so we need to be not lowering our stomach acid. I think this is more popular these days, but when I first started talking about it, people were like, wait, what? Um, But we need stomach stomach acid. Our stomach should be incredibly acidic. And not only does that help us break down our protein, but it help, helps us with a lot of the factors like our B12 and our iron that give us energy. So again, we have to back it up to think, wait a minute, I need to support my ability to break down my food, to make sure I have the secretions to break down those chemicals I'm putting into my body. That structural piece is related to things like we might consider leaky gut or gut hyperpermeability, which is how we might think of it more medically versus leaky gut being a more popular term, or other inflammation or issues that we have in the structure of our intestines, and how we really do honor and make sure that we're we're feeding our microbiomes and our gut stability and we can feed our microbiomes with food. We don't need to rely on supplements or probiotics. I love probiotics and I love probiotic therapy, just like I love testing, but there's a time and a place for everything.
1: And our food can also feed our microbiome as can our sleep and our exercise. Uh, So beautifully said. And I think that like, what really like grinds my gears is that like, there are so many of these like probiotic supplement companies like out there that are on Instagram, you know, again, promoting this one size fits all approach. When for somebody, a probiotic, if you have like horrible dysbiosis might make your situation actually a whole hell of a lot worse. So like, let's all (laughs) take a step back. And I think that that's where like a lot of my own clients feel lost. And it comes back to just, again, being more in trust with yourself and saying, do I need this? can I like, am I okay without this? Can I like, what is my body asking for versus being like, oh, I'm just going to buy it because that's what's being marketed at me.
0: Yes. And I think you probably experienced this too, but I can't, I can't tell you how many friends text me because of the supplements they're seeing on Instagram. 100%. Do I need X, Y, Z? And I'm like, but aren't you already taking a ABC? And they're like, yeah, yeah but this, and I'm like, what? I mean, it's amazing the marketing (laughs) dollars. We complain about pharmaceuticals, but there's a lot of marketing dollars put behind a lot of these tests and supplements and biohacking interventions that really we have to think about the approach we're taking and when we need that. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be so costly.
1: Oh my gosh, 100,
2: 100%. Hi guys, I want to interrupt this episode quickly to come to you with a very exciting announcement. Now, I'm not one to usually highlight my birthday in any way, but I do want to use this as an opportunity to be able to give back to this incredibly awesome community. All of your support over the last four years has made Wellness by Kelly what it is. And I want to give back to you to show you how much that means to me. And the best way that I could think to do that this year is to offer one spot on our WBK 2024 March retreat. What does that mean? That means for two days, you will come and stay at the luxurious Red Rock Resort. All of your meals will be taken care of. I will be your guide through movement, meditation, and teaching you lectures on how to implement all things wellness into your life. You'll also get incredible experiences like a custom IV, custom essential oil blends, a really incredible gift bag, meeting some awesome women that you will create lifetime friendships and bonds with, and again, walking away with the tools that will transform your health and hormones for a lifetime. Now, If you want to enter this giveaway, tag two friends in the giveaway announcement post on Instagram. Follow and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to my email newsletter on wellnessbykelly.com. And if you want to get an extra entry, share the giveaway post to your stories and tag me. I am so excited to be able to see an incredible face there and get to meet a beautiful soul that I know will bring so much inspiration to all of the other women on this retreat
1: I want to hear about the influences for inflammation and then I also want to hear about like if you have a friend or a client or somebody struggling with that where they're saying to you like do I need this do I need this what what would you say? So talk to us first about the, um, the inflammation thing.
0: I know there's also something I want to, so yeah, so many things. I know We're all I
1: over the place. So
0: inflammation, the circle of inflammation around the circle of influence around inflammation is clear, calm, enhance, and modulate. And what I really like people to focus on, and I know this is a, this is my way of thinking, right? So I know mm-hmm. that it's easier for people to think through their non-negotiables deficiencies, that's an easier model for a patient. So I'll talk about that briefly too. But clearing and calming is really what we're talking about right here. We cannot heal in a sympathetic dominant state. A sympathetic dominant state is, what do I need? How do I fix this? What am I going to do next? What diet? That person's doing this diet. Is this going to work for me? That is not a healing state. And so we may need to clear a negative thought pattern. We may need to clear an infection. We may need to clear an environmental toxin. We may need to clear a toxic relationship. We there's we can think of this really broadly. So when Mm. I say clear, I'm not telling you to go on a detox. There might be a time and a place for that, but think in your life what can I release? What can I get rid of? And where does calm going back to that breathing that your colon hydrotherapist was talking about where do I take a moment to calm my nervous system, to come into rest and digest, mm-hmm. parasympathetic, instead of fight or flight, the sympathetic, because my entire immune system, and therefore my hormones, are going to be impacted by my energetic state. And that quest is not serving my ability to calm down.
1: I I love that you said that because I think that so, so many people think that if I just eat this diet, if I just take these pills, then I'm going to feel better. And then they come back three months later, six months later, they're like I'm doing all the things and it's like, no, but you're not. And I did this. I, I am fully guilty totally. of doing <laughs> those things that are like yes. the tangible things, but yes. not ever working on my nervous system slowing down like again like what you said about like you know l- the non-negotiable looking at those types of things and like prioritizing my life and finding a life that actually like feels good day to day that's not rushed that's not overwhelming because until you do that you will be inflamed you yes. like it, 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 your nervous system cannot and i think that that's such a a myth that's out there is that like we can do it all. We can have right. it all. We can do it all. And nothing is going to suffer. But the truth is, is that when you're in that hustle all the time, your health is going to suffer yes, because you're not absolutely. resting. And I know yes. that you said that that was one of your nutritional pillars like sleep, rest, all of those things. So, yes, I... sleep,
0: blood sugar, balance. And if I think, of, if I just take us to the three tiers and I go back to tier one, is that your are non-negotiables. And I said the non-negotiable trifecta is sleep, poop, and blood sugar balance, but we all have our non-negotiables. So right. my biggest invitation to people is know your non-negotiables. Mm. My non-negotiable is taking a walk every day. It's having my morning routine and keeping that, you know, really, sacred. really sacred. It's a yeah. specific bedtime. It's making sure I'm feeding my brain, not just in my work life, right? Like what are your non-negotiables? Yes, sleep, poop, blood, sugar, balance are all of our non-negotiables, but Kelly, yours are different than mine. And we each need to know what are my non-negotiables. And in functional medicine, these are called our mediators as well. What makes me feel better? What makes me feel worse? The more we're anchored on that, the better we are our own agents of change, the more empowered we are because we know ourselves. And we just start there what makes you feel better what makes you feel worse and that is huge for us to dive into and then tier two is deficiency to sufficiency tier three is dismantling the dysfunction and tier three dismantling dysfunction leads us back to those branches we're stuck in the branches we're stuck in the medical model there's a fix there's a protocol i've got this what's going to fix it we're not broken yeah. we're not broken
1: Um, Before I go into asking you about, you know, because I think that that, what you were saying about, like, I need this protocol or, like, even, like, the idea of certain self-care acts, I think that in the wellness space now, we're all kind of like, oh, well, so-so-and-so is doing that on social media and this person. So we're just adding all these things, just like we're adding all the supplements. I think that there has to be a a way of trusting ourselves. But one thing I want to touch on really quickly, because I think that there's a really common misconception around all of this is is the poop piece because we already talked about the sleep how often should we be pooping what's normal i I was saying yesterday or maybe a couple days ago on my instagram like if you need coffee to poop that's not normal like and people are messaging me all the like what like that's not normal like how like i've I've needed coffee to poop for years and it's not like a bad thing it's just we got to get your digestive system figured out so talk about that piece really quick
0: yeah so poop is we should at least be pooping one time a day i'd prefer folks to be pooping three times a day poop's gonna change every day based on what we ate our stress levels so many factors so when people get hyper fixated on their poop i'm like give it a rest you know like because there's also with the food like all of those things people (laughs) might be like but i'm like waiting for the perfect poop and i'm like let it go no perfect poop like this isn't about perfection Ideally, one to three times a day, ideally fully formed. And you can use that as your, I always like to say your best diagnostic tool is just looking in the toilet after you poop and thinking, how am I doing? No urgency, no splattering, no yes. stickiness, like a fully formed poop. And we can look at a Bristol stool chart to see what are the different kinds of poops. So that's their ideal. And mm-hmm. this brings us back the motility issue. So we're looking for motility when we're using caffeine to help us move things through. And mm-hmm. that comes back to the microbiome piece. So when we're able to feed the microbiome with our fermented food, with our fibers, with our resistant starches, with our polyphenols, that is how we feed the microbiome besides or in addition to probiotics. Mm -hmm. And all of those things over time help us to reach our Our own baseline elimination status if that's not happening there might be deeper reasons why somebody is constipated or has diarrhea and we need to look at that if it's going back and forth between the two or if there's a lot of diarrhea it's likely inflammation related if there's motility issues and it's sluggish That might have to do with some of our hormones. It might have to do with where we need to support digestion, like you said. So it really is, wait, how do I bring that information forward? And I think this is what we've been talking about, Kelly, in terms of like, how do we tune in? Mm. And for me, this is where the tracking and the narrative piece come into play because I think we go to our medical and health providers looking for answers and what i really like to tell patients is go to medical providers sharing what you know about you so if oh, you're saying, i love this yeah and if you just say like i have i'm constipated i don't want you to just say i'm constipated i want you to say i'm constipated that means i'm pooping every other day i noticed this started when i was 30 when I first got pregnant, like, I want you to tell the story that only you can tell. And that gives your provider so much more information to work through versus I'm treating constipation because there's lots of different reasons
1: for constipation. So, so well said. And I think that what we're going to talk about next in terms of like trusting yourself more if you know what your story is and you are more familiar with your body and like again like tracking things over time you can say oh i do need this oh i don't need this so let's go back and rewind to that conversation and say like okay again some some friend is texting you do i need this supplement some oh, yeah. person is you know messaging you and saying, do I need a cold plunge? Like those are the types of messages I get all day long. (laughs) So I'm right there with you. So instead of saying yes, no, what's the response?
0: Yeah. What I say there is what are you trying to achieve? So I try to get from them what they're looking for out of that. And from a functional nutrition perspective, without doing my very lengthy assessment, I am in no position. To give them health advice over text because i haven't understood what their needs are but if i can get that piece with a friend or my mom or my sister should i do xyz my question to them is what are you trying to achieve what are you already doing for that Mm -hmm. sounds like that's a good plan why would you shift that so i'm getting into their reasoning Mm-hmm. and getting into that more parasympathetic, thoughtful place versus that search for, oh, this is oh, this is the next answer. Oh, this is going to solve all of those things. Right. So that's the questioning that I ask people. And I think that's good for people to ask themselves, what do I want this for?
1: I love that. I think that that's a really great question to ask yourself if you're in that Bicycle, (laughs) about to purchase. So, with all of that being said, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about some of these trendy things out there. So we have carnivore, we have vegan, we have all these things, and I will not lie to you. I mean, my my listeners know this. I put myself in a box for so many years first I was low carb then I was paleo then for three years or so I was a vegan and now I'm just like I like cannot label myself like anymore and like just because of the fact of like what it's doing to my mental health but yes. I want to hear more so in your opinion like what are these you know are, are people missing out on certain nutrients when they're doing these things and is that something that we should be careful about.
0: Yeah, I actually have an entire booklet for my students that I call the nutrition skills matrix that talks about all the quote unquote healing diets, Mm. what they are, what they include, what they exclude. And then there's a butt column. And that butt column is what nutrients were depleting when we eat that healing diet for too Mm. long of a period of time. Because many of these protocols are meant to be embraced for three, six months max. And one thing we didn't talk about earlier that I remember I wanted to say is if we don't do the healing diet in conjunction with internal healing, we've just removed the trigger or the instigator, but we haven't done the repair. And so it's really important that if there's something that needs repair, what does that, that we're getting- mean? that like, let's say we have um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, okay. we have SIBO. And we've read that if you go on a low FODMAP diet, that you're, that's the right. way to go. That's the way to eat. So we start eating a low FODMAP diet, download all the things, read all the blogs, eat all the recipes. This is just one example. Then we don't feel better, or we reintroduce those foods and it doesn't help. Right. We haven't done the internal work in that healing area of clear, calm, enhanced, modulate, of mechanical, chemical, structural, microbial. There's work right. that needs to be done internally to do the healing. So removing foods is just removing the trigger. It's not, it's not doing, doing the, the healing. internal healing. So let's say... It we're in a relationship that's not supportive for some reason, um, and we remove ourselves from that person, it's not gonna be healthy to just go into another relationship. We have to look internally what Happened to me through that. Where can I learn from that? So just, you know, I'm making an emotional comparison just to say like, we have to do the internal healing that got us into the place that led us to needing to remove those foods. The food wasn't the problem.
1: Right. So like, for example, like stress can create bacterial imbalance or issues with, you know, how the bacteria end up in your small intestine where they're not supposed to be or um, we can use things like when we talk about the microbiome, like antimicrobials to help heal the overgrowth, whatever it is that Correct. we're talking about in terms of like those things have to happen. The stress reduction has to happen, the, the depletion of those bad bacteria have to happen, Correct. as well as the elimination diet.
0: Correct. Okay. So And that diet should just be done for a short period of time. Right. And ideally, if we do the internal healing, we can then test what can work back in. And this is a place where in our clinic, we see people who have reduced their food so much because they haven't done the internal healing and they're looking to food to be the healing mechanism, the reduction of food, that then they've introduced a whole other set of signs and symptoms and possibly even diagnoses because they're nutrient depleted. They're malnourished.
1: I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that with clients of my own too, where it's like, oh, well- you know, I did a food sensitivities test two years ago and I am now like sensitive to broccoli, kale, tomatoes, carrots, like all of these things. And it's like, but no, no not. you're not. <laughs> like, no, you're not. Now you're just a f- fully afraid of food. Yes. And we have to understand what we need to heal and how we need to reduce, again, exactly. like the inflammation, what, we, what we've been talking about. So I, exactly. I love that you've cleared that up for people because I think that, um, that's no way to live. It is no way to live to think that you have you can't eat food. Like right. that's not healthy either. Yes. Um what one thing I wanna ask, because you mentioned that you had, you know, autoimmunity come up. And that's something that a lot of my clients and listeners have also dealt with or deal with. And When it comes to like things like where people say, you know, paleo for autoimmunity or the AIP diet for autoimmunity, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Short term. Again, it's a healing protocol, and we should be able to bring things in as it makes sense for our own bodies. There's a lot of benefits. Like when we eliminate grains completely, that's an immense source of B vitamins. And B vitamins are hard to supplement. They're difficult because of the way we each uh, methylate, the way we each use our B vitamins. So sometimes those can be hard to figure out, even for practitioners. But in food We can get our B vitamins really naturally from a bunch of different whole food sources, but our grains are a good one. So I don't eat a lot of grains, but Mm. I always say I don't eat grains unless I do. So that's where I get to give myself some room to say, Mm. you know what? I'm going to make some quinoa. I want those dolmas. The grape leaves are really high in antioxidants and they've got rice inside. So I don't take them off the menu for myself. They're just not a huge part of your- my menu. And so that's a way where like, I can like you come into a little bit more of that living space. Yeah, now that I've been able to do a lot more of my healing, and I don't have a lot of symptoms from my Hashimoto's from my autoimmunity. I'm 57, though, you know, there's a lot of changes that happen. I'm post menopausal, things change, and I want to feel the best I possibly can. So there's a risk reward decision that I'm always in knowing, am I going to eat this or not eat that? Am I going to drink that or not drink that? I get to make the decision and it's based on a number of factors, not based on some worry or restriction or fear.
1: I think that that's the most powerful way for people to look at nutrition. Yes. Right? And I came from the same kind of place where again I was dealing with hormonal imbalances, I had an overgrowth of candida, I had all of these issues and for that period of time in my life, it was more loving to myself to be on the plan that I was on for it was I think it was like 4 months. Yes. Now that I have created that like a healthy foundation, and cut back to that it's more healthy for myself to be in this place where there's a little bit of wiggle room and flexibility at the same point i think that looking at nutrition and food from a place of like i i cut out alcohol personally like three Thank years you. ago and <laughs> it, it was because of that exact question that you were talking yes. about does this make me feel better or does this make me feel worse? And every morning I would wake up after drinking, I would feel super anxious. I would feel overwhelmed, frustrated with my kids, irritable. And like, I had all of these intense cravings for food that like, I didn't normally have cravings for. So I would look at it and I'm like, there's so much more like cost than payoff to this. So if you look at how is the food making you feel? It's such an easy way to like navigate your diet. And one of the things that you were talking about at the beginning was this idea of kind of like people having, I don't know if if you called it like a bath and you were like talking about a bike lane and like how, you know, we can kind of like, this is our normal diet, but then we can like veer off and have a little bit of flexibility. And I think that that's really important because what it means is that people are defining health on their own terms yes. rather than accepting this idea of, oh, this is what's working for this person. This is what's working for that person. And so that's going to be a one size fits all approach for me. Yes. How do you get people to that place where they're doing that? Because you're like, I wouldn't maybe eat an Oreo ever, but like maybe somebody <laughs> who that like that's in their bike lane. So how do right. we start to define that for ourselves?
0: Yeah. I think it's a, it, it depends when I'm working with somebody, they usually have a lot of branches or some chronic health condition that we're working through and of course i have to really navigate what's the right way to come in with the dietary change for them a lot of the people i see have been through they've done it all they've worked with the functional medicine practitioners they've done the diet and some of them are so restricted like i said and other ones are angry because none of that worked yeah. It didn't work. They spent a lot of money, a lot of time, lived a really restricted life and they're confused. And so sometimes it's untangling how we get into that listening into specific things as opposed to the whole thing. When we think about our health as my hormone challenges, my these big things, I think it helps us to break that down. So what are we trying to work on How do we look at what those things are and break it down and think into it? And then what are you willing to try? And I might need to take really slow steps Mm -hmm. with somebody that are about again, the introduction versus the exclusion. So my three primary principles around how we eat are the fat fiber protein, Mm -hmm. eating the rainbow, and your yes, no, maybe list. And with each person, I might start at a different place. So I might just say like, okay, you're confused. Make me a yes, no, maybe list. On your yes list are foods that you know make you feel good. On your no list are foods that you know don't make you feel good. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier in other language as well. And your maybe list is you're not sure. All people have a different relationship to this. Some people, like we're saying, are going to be too restricted. Some people are going to be like, I don't know what makes me feel good or bad. I feel bad all the time. So I'm like, okay, that gives us a place to focus elsewhere. Let's just focus on fat fiber protein. Let's focus on the rainbow. So I'm choosing which way we come in. Mm -hmm. And what I'm inviting is the opportunity for more awareness. Like, oh, you know what? My elimination changed eating the rainbow or I had a lot of fun with my kids, tracking the rainbow every day. That was super fun to go to the store and pick out different things. Like it's gonna be a different way in and I'd rather take it slowly and develop the self-awareness as opposed to saying, here's the protocol we're doing for all the things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yes, I think that that's so great. And I think that for a lot of people, creating that awareness with that yes, no, maybe list, I think is really, really powerful because so many of us through years and years of dieting, years and years of, again, like going to different doctors and doing different things, like disconnects us from our body. What actually makes you feel good? And it's something that you can play around with. You don't have to know right off the bat, but like you can you can test it out and you can play with it. And it doesn't. And I think that anyone who's going into this, whether you are working on something symptoms wise, or you just want to optimize your diet, do it from a place of curiosity rather than a place of judgment.
0: Yes. And you said like curiosity is the key for thinking through this lens and asking ourselves more questions instead of looking for all the answers. And you said, something that's so poignant, that which is that we're disconnected from our bodies. And I think from this point of disconnection, we cannot find the resolution. It's from that curiosity and that deep listening, which comes again from breaking it down to, let me just focus on this one thing. And if you make a yes, no, maybe list, that's a great thing to talk to somebody about. Yeah. These are maybes for me because I'm not sure if I feel better or worse after I eat this. That's a great conversation point for somebody who is working with you on your food. And I just want to bring up the alcohol piece. What I noticed, because after I was widowed, you know, I had a Mm -hmm. young child, he's 23 now, but like I would go out with my girlfriends, get a babysitter, go out with girlfriends on a Saturday Mm -hmm. night. And I would notice that it was my way of opting in because their lives were very different than mine they had husbands that were home with the kids I had to get a babysitter I was in this bizarro situation and didn't have a lot of reflection of it as a young widow and so the wine became like this is how I'm opting in and feeling a part of things right and I would notice the next morning Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was, that I would feel a little depressed. And knock on wood, I don't tend towards what we think of as depression from a clinical arena, but I would feel my energy lower. And this is, I'm a single mom. I'm putting myself back through school. I'm building a business. I didn't have room to be at that lower energy level. And so the risk reward for me came... The reward is feeling like I'm opting in. The risk is I don't feel great the next day and I'm not on in the ways I want to be. Mm. Is there a way for me to achieve that reward without that same agent? And what I found is I could still go out with my friends. I could still opt in for the conversation. I could get some sparkling water with bitters or lime and it's up to me to opt in, nobody else cares. And so I'm recognizing I get to still have that reward without having the thing that gives me the risk. And that becomes the self
1: knowledge. Yes, I love that. I love that the reward is like the, is the conversation with your girlfriends, not the actual alcohol. And so I think shifting that perspective there is like, it's really, really beautifully said. Thank you so much for this today you have given us so many tangible takeaways that people can again do the reflection work like listen to everything we said today and go inward and be like okay like what like am i following these three like are my, is my sleep good is my you know stool good like are like check in with the roots the pillars all of these things we've talked about and then ask yourself like okay, do I have to like have this overly complex approach? Or can I simplify it and come back to these really easy things? And I think you've made it really easy for people. So I really appreciate that. The last question I ask every guest of the show, because the show is called Balancing Chaos. um, And I feel like so many of us live in this chaotic kind of place where we're trying to juggle work and family and all of the things, how do you balance the chaos, especially in the industry of healthcare? do you do that? Yeah,
0: thank you um, for asking that question. And so much fun to talk with you about all this stuff. Um, You know, life is chaotic. And I think it is about carving out the time that is exclusively me time. I'm going to admit it's a little, I'm an empty nester. My boyfriend doesn't live with me. Like I've got the ability to carve out me time. So Mm -hmm. that is a privilege that I know everybody doesn't have, but I'm going to say that the way we can balance chaos is making sure that we're carving out the time that really feeds and fuels us morning and night.
1: Yeah. Bookend your day with it. I think that's, that's a really important piece of what you just said is that like, it's not just because when we do it morning and night, that's when it bleeds into the rest of our day as a reminder, like, Hey, you need to slow down. Hey, you need to take a breath right now. This stressful situation isn't going to be the end-all be-all. Like it's a constant reminder that kind of carries with you when you bookend your day like that. So I love that. Um, Thank you so much for your time, Andrea. This was so lovely. Where can everybody find you? Where can everybody take your, you know, work on if they want to like use it in their practice? Talk to us about all of that.
0: Yeah. If you head on over to andreanakiyama.com, that will lead you to all the places. It'll lead you back to the Functional Nutrition Alliance, to the 15-Minute Matrix, and to any of my more recent writing, which is more patient-focused. So the patient-focused area is Andrea Nakayama, Functional Nutrition Alliance is where I train practitioners, but all of it can be found over there.
1: Okay. And if they want to find you on Instagram- Is it just Andrea
0: Nakayama, Andrea Nakayama on all the places.
1: Okay. And I will make sure that I (laughs) (laughs) link everything out in the show notes for everybody, but just for our listeners. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I could talk to you all day long.
0: Thank you, Kelly.
1: I really hope
2: that you enjoyed that episode. You can follow me on Instagram at wellness by Kelly, or head over to our website, wellnessbykelly.com. Sign up now for the wellness by Kelly seven day free trial on our app or head over to our course. And now, get 20% off the course
1: or 10% off of the membership with the code, BalancingChaos, all one word, B-A-L-A-N-C-I-N-G-C-H-A-O-S. In our course, you'll get access to an emailed lab review plus protocols built out to help you heal with whatever
2: hormonal imbalance you're struggling with. With our membership, you'll receive a library of content with our app, with low impact workouts, blood sugar balancing recipes, and mindfulness meditations, all
1: designed to help you balance your hormones and help you feel like you are living your most beautiful, joyful, and vital life. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. That is the best way to help the show grow and get to more listeners. We hope you enjoyed, and I will see you next week.